Hey, good morning. Welcome. Uh, my name is Brian Follett. For those who don't know me, I am the student ministries intern here at Centennial. I have been since last June, I think now. And uh, my wife, Madison, and I have been attending here. Uh, it's been over two years now, uh, since October 2018. And we've just been so blessed to be a part of this community. Uh, hey, happy new year. Welcome to 2021, right? A little round of applause, right? Seems like normally a round of applause isn't isn't the norm for welcoming a new year, but that kind of seems to be how we are this year, right? Um, we're all kind of happy to be done with a decade of 2020, right? It kind of seems like it was a, a decade. Um, hey, so as we start today, I would love for us to, to do a little exercise this morning. Um, uh, I'd like to ask us, uh, you know, as we enter a new year and a new one, I always like to kind of reflect on what we just uh, came out of. And so I'd like to ask you a question, maybe take a few seconds of kind of reflection and think this morning. Uh, it's maybe a tough question. Uh, looking back at 2020, can you bring up one example or time of affliction or trial or a hard time? The tough part of the question might be just narrowing it down to one, perhaps. Uh, but uh, if you could just take a couple seconds, just think of one time that this past year that was difficult. And think about uh, kind of what happened and what went around it and some feelings, frustrations, details about it. And then once you do that, ask yourself, where was God uh, in those afflictions? Now, so this morning, we're going to talk about the idea of, of affliction and troubles and hard times and how God works through those times and how we can see him. Um, I kind of want to be up front, though, and, and acknowledge that, you know, we kind of have this phrase, you know, hard times happen, but God works through it. And, and we see him through those times. And while that's a really, obviously, true statement, and that's what I'm going to try to uh, bring forward this morning, uh, I think we need to make sure that we're, we're building groundwork and, and understanding some theological things uh, and, and kind of have some, some stuff behind it so we're not just throwing that phrase out, uh, just really kind of willy-nilly, if you will. And so this morning, I really want to, to be intentional about examining the tough times in life. And, and when we come across those uh, seeing uh, who God is in relation to those times, what he does for us, and how we can also live in the midst of affliction. And I want to do that because, again, we're entering this new year. And while uh, we're, we're kind of turning the page, new year, we're all looking kind of forward to a new year that's not 2020. Uh, unfortunately, there's some things that we're still bringing over from 2020. I mean, we're, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, and maybe there's other things that you've been dealing with that, there's, you know, the, the calendar turned, but we're still, you're still maybe dealing with it. And so I want us to kind of take this morning to be able to, uh, even though it's maybe some same, same afflictions that we have, to maybe renew ourselves and, and have, uh, just be refreshed this morning as we look at some words from Paul um, in 2 Corinthians. And so we are going to be in 2 Corinthians this morning. If you want to open your Bibles or, have, you know, have your Bible app, they'll be on the screen as well. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. Uh, and this passage is kind of right at the beginning of this second letter that Paul is writing to the church there. And uh, it's, it's right after the little greeting. And, and, and after uh, the greeting, he kind of, Paul is, is um, acknowledging the Corinthians and, and, and he's going to lay down some important theological truths uh, and then praise God at the same time through that. And so we're going to start here in verses 3 through 4. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
And this passage may seem uh, somewhat familiar for you, because if you can think back to, if you can think all the way back to last year, about two weeks ago, right? Classic, last year joke. Okay, sorry. Um, Carl was preaching during Advent uh, about this sermon when he was bringing, um, talking about comfort and joy. And so I'm going to kind of uh, piggyback on some of the things he was talking about, reiterate a few things, and then move on throughout the passage as well. And so uh, I, if you can see, I bolded the words all, twice, and any. And I, and I did that because I want to uh, bring forth this idea that Paul, when he's talking about the God of all comfort and compassion, he's doing so, he, he's kind of bringing forth this pretty big theological idea. This is something about who God is, that he is the God of, of compassion and all comfort and he is that in all troubles and, and uh, in the comfort of those in any troubles as well. So all and any. So it's kind of these big, broad words. So it's, Paul's not saying that in this passage, in these two verses, that God is the God of comfort and compassion in a certain situation. But no, he's a God of all comfort and compassion in any and all trouble. Uh, and so let's kind of break down these two words of compassion in, in comfort, to kind of understand what that means, that God is the God of compassion and all comfort. When you think about compassion, it's, I often think about uh, someone being concerned for someone who isn't suffering. But oftentimes it goes past just concern and then goes to action, right? When I think about compassion, I think about uh, Compassion International, the, the, the organization just down the road in Colorado Springs. You're probably familiar with them. They, you can sponsor children through the organization, and they have, uh, they see children in poverty all over the world and see the need, and they, they provide them with education and, and food uh, and help them all the way through life. And so they see this, this huge need in these children suffering, and they, uh, they go out and, and help and act on uh, that concern. Uh, we also, as Paul's using the word compassion, he probably has this, there's a rich Jewish tradition behind this word as well. When we think about the Old Testament, uh, we see God being compassionate God all throughout we think about uh, the, the, the Israelites so many times crying out for, the, for God's help. It was normally because they were, they were in sin, but they still cried out. And God uh, was compassionate on them and brought them out um, in, in the midst of that. Uh, we also, when we think about uh, affliction, we can think about Joseph and, and Job. Uh, they went through some really hard times, yet God was still compassionate on them. Uh, Joseph being uh, in prison and, and Job going through the trials as well. And so we see that God is a God of compassion. And we see that this word compassion is, is a divine characteristic of God. So it's, it's, this, it's saying something about who God is. You know, as God is all-powerful or all-knowing, he is also a God of all compassion. Uh, and so just as any mother or father today, if they were here to hear their child uh, cry out, they would immediately go rush over and see what was wrong because they love and have compassion for them. So too our Heavenly Father has compassion for his children. Similar is this word for, for comfort, the God of, God of all comfort. This is also seems to be a divine characteristic of who God is. He's a God of all comfort in every situation. And so, and Carl also kind of laid down this idea of comfort. When a couple weeks ago he asked us to think about someone who's really comforted you. Um, and I know that when I think of someone who's really comforted me, it, off, it always goes past just it's not just uh, someone coming down, helping and comforting you, and then kind of walking away. But it's this idea of, of, hey, I'm with you now, and I want to walk with you through this situation and, and even past. It's kind of this future-looking where it's, it's current comfort, but it's comfort that goes much deeper than that. And I think that is what Paul is getting at here when he talks about God being the God of all comfort. It also has 
this kind of connotation of being encouraging too. So it's this comfort that is encouraging along the way. So it's a comforting encouragement, um, if you will. So these are two ideas uh, and two divine characteristics of who God is. And again, he, he is these two things in any and all troubles and afflictions. And so this is a really important uh, thing to, to lay out as we see here. This is, these are two parts of who God is. Uh, and also we see Paul laying out uh, another awesome thing here too in verse 4 when he says that so we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So there's kind of this also aspect of, of God comforting us, but then through that comfort that we receive, we can then comfort others as well. And you may, you may have seen this play out in your life. Uh, maybe you uh, are, are going through something currently and, and uh, a troubled time, and you meet someone who had gone through that uh, situation previously, and they're able to speak comfort into your life that was really profound because they had gone through that and already received comfort from God. Or vice versa, you have, have gone through something, and you now meet someone who uh, is, is going through that, is just experiencing the same thing, and then you are able to comfort them in a profound way as well. So Paul is laying down this, this really big idea that God comforts us in all situations, and then we can also comfort those uh, as well. So again, we, we've kind of laid down this groundwork, um, but it's kind of, we're kind of in this conceptual, theological uh, um, kind of circle now. And so I think it'd be really helpful for us then to think about, well, what's, a, what's an example of what this maybe looks like? How do we see this maybe playing out uh, in maybe Paul's life or our life, our lives, so that then we can kind of see, well, how does this comfort uh, take place in our lives? Well, Paul doesn't stop here, obviously. He, in verses 5 through 7, he's going to kind of give us an example of what that looks like. So verses 5 through 7, he says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share and our comfort. So obviously, uh, comfort's used quite a bit in this verse. So again, so Paul is, is, is laying down this idea even more so that in our sufferings, we are comforted by God. But if you notice, there's kind of a shift in language in these verses. Before, we kind of have these words of all and any, and now Paul is kind of saying our and your. So it seems here that he's kind of making the shift to talking about his current situation in the current suffering that he's in, and he's kind of talking to the Corinthians, hey, this is what I'm going through, this suffering, and you may be going through something similar, but hey, God comforts us in the midst of that. Well, then we want to ask ourselves, okay, well, what is this suffering that maybe Paul was going through? Well, it's quite possibly that, uh, that in the next uh, two verses, he lays out kind of what was going on. In verses 8 and 9, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we were despaired even of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. So it seems that uh, this could easily be the, the suffering that Paul was talking about, this, this persecution that he was facing in the province of Asia. It seemed that he was, he was persecuted so much that he felt that he was despaired of life itself, and that he felt that he um, might have even been put to death for the sake of the gospel. And so uh, he, he's experiencing this, this kind of suffering, this persecution. And so he's saying, hey, the Corinthians, you also might experience this suffering as well. Because in verses, uh, if we go to 
uh, again, five to seven, he's kind of saying that you also may go through the same suffering as well. But again, in the midst of this, this suffering and this specific persecution that Paul was experiencing, we see that he is still saying that even though there's a suffering uh, that abounds, the comfort too abounds through Christ. And that we see that that is an amazing, amazing thing. But I kind of like to um, kind of tease out this example of persecution a bit more. Because I think when we think about persecution uh, being an example, it's something that has happened kind of all throughout uh, in, the, in the Bible uh, up, until, uh, up until now. So when we think about this example of persecution, um, I think about uh, last, uh, last fall. We're in the midst of kind of our Acts sermon series. And we, uh, Rebecca Sutton last fall preached on uh, Acts 6 and 7 of the story of Stephen. And Stephen was, uh, was stoned and was the, was the first recorded martyr in Acts because he, uh, because he was proclaiming the gospel. And so he, uh, just like Paul here, experiences persecution up into death. And we think about the early church. Uh, there's, there's countless Christians put to death under uh, Emperor Nero, for example. And he uh, really did not like the Christians, blamed them for uh, a fire they didn't do, they didn't cause, and, and he put many Christians to death because of that. Or uh, even, even today, we see persecution around the world. We often don't experience this, this um, type of persecution, although we, we, there are a lot of opposition and persecution that we face in our lives today. But there's, we think about this global church, and there are many places around the world where our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, are persecuted for their beliefs uh, in God. About five years ago, uh, 2015, if you can remember, uh, there was 21 Coptic Christians that uh, were, were murdered in Libya. And the Coptic Christians are, uh, it's the biggest Christian group in the Middle East and uh, also one of the oldest in the world. And so if you remember uh, what happened, there's the, the terrorist group ISIS captured 21 uh, Christians. There was actually 20 Egyptians and one young African man. And they captured them and they wanted to make a statement about how they felt about Christians. And they, they went one by one through this group and asked them what they believed, what religion they held. And when they said, I'm, I'm a Christ follower, they put them uh, one by one. They, they murdered them. But the story goes that there was the, the 21st man, the, the young African man named uh, Matthew. Uh, it was reported that he wasn't uh, a Christian at the time. He, he was probably familiar with, uh, with Christianity, but he wasn't yet a Christian. And so as the, the terrorists were going through and, and, and killing these, these Christians, they got to this, this 21st man, Matthew. And they asked him, hey, what do, you, what do you believe? And at this point, he could have obviously rejected Christianity, and they, they probably would have let him go, go free. But it was recorded that he looked at these, these men, and he said, their God is my God. And then they put him to death for that. And so this, this obviously this is a horrific and, and incredibly sad, sad story about persecution that didn't happen too long ago. And, and stories like that still happen today around the world as well. Um, but also, what, a, what an incredible testament to the faith that these men had. And so this idea of, of suffering, and specifically persecution, is something that, that Paul obviously understood and that he's talking about because he was persecuted time and time again he was, as he recorded in, in verse 9, he felt that he might have been put to death there, although he wasn't. And so Paul understands this example of, of, of deep suffering that is persecution for the sake of the gospel. But in the midst of that, he doesn't stop there. In verses 9 and 10, Paul says, 
But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. So what an incredible stance that Paul is taking here. He sees that the suffering is a reality, and he's experienced persecution. But in the midst of that, he knows that it's not to rely on ourselves, but on God. And in the midst of that also, in the previous verses, we saw that he also, we also get this incredible comfort, and the comfort abounds and overflows from God. So, so far we, we've understood this, this, these character traits about who God is and what he does in the midst of suffering and even in horrible uh, events such as persecution. Uh, but I always have to ask myself, okay, well, what does this look like? What, what is this maybe tangible thing that I can grab? It's like, what does comfort look like when I uh, experience suffering or within, when these people have experienced suffering and persecution? Well, if you remember back again to when Carl was speaking on comfort and joy, one aspect of comfort he talked about was the presence of God. And that the more we draw near to God and create time and space for God, the more uh, we will feel closer to him and then we will uh, have this deep sense of comfort. And, and what a great reminder of how true that is in our lives to create time and space for God, uh, to, for us to be close to God, for us to feel his presence. But I think there are many ways that God comforts us. I mean, he is the God of all comfort, so it would make sense that there are a lot of different ways that he comforts us, through his presence, through each other, as we read, uh, read earlier, that he comforts us, that we can comfort others. He comforts us through his word. But I would like to present, uh, uh, what I want to talk about this morning is, is another sense of a way that we get comfort from God, and it's kind of this, this future sense of it. And Paul also mentions this in verse 10 when he says, on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. On him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And it's that word hope that I want to focus on this morning, right? I think hope is, is a really big way that we receive comfort from God. And when I think about hope, it's this idea of, of something that I can hold on to when kind of all else kind of fades away. You know, the author of Hebrews um, likens hope to an anchor. And I think that this idea uh, of an example of hoping an anchor is really profound because when we think about an anchor, uh, I don't know much about boats, but I know that when they put down an anchor, if it's strong, no matter what, you know, uh, waves or wind push against the boat, it's going to stay connected to the anchor and stay in one place because this anchor is strong, it has deep roots, and it's connected tightly to the boat. And so, because of that, if, if, we, if we see hope as kind of an anchor, then I think it really matters what we put our hope in. What is our anchor in our life so that when we're battered or, or you know, there's things that come against us, troubles come, what is it that we have true hope in? And I know for me, it's really easy for us to, for, for me to put my hope in, in other things, in, in money or accomplishments or, uh, you know, what I, what I want to a job that I want to have, maybe, or something like that, or status. Um, I remember in high school, I was working at uh, Firehouse Subs, which is a great restaurant, and uh, I was working with a coworker, and he wasn't a Christian, and, and he knew I was. We, we had some really great uh, dialogue, and I remember one time, I asked him, you know, what, what do you have hope in when all else kind of fades away? And he thought about that for a little bit, and he said, you know, it's my family. My family is there 
for me when, when all else kind of goes away. And I, and I really resonate with that. And I still do today because my family uh, and my wife is something that I know that is always there for me no matter what. And, and I can, can go to them when I am experiencing trouble. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that family, while, while they are always there for us, uh, in the, for the most part, that we, they are also uh, temporary. As morbid as it is, right? It, family can be here for us but they are not, uh, they're part of the world and they only last for, for so long. And so is that truth that anything that's a part of this earth is only temporary and as good as they are, I don't think they are worth putting our hope in because they can fade away. And when they fade away, what do we have left but feeling completely empty? So again, what is our anchor? What are we putting our hope in? So obviously we have the truth of the gospel, right? We have, we, we have Jesus and, and who he was, what he did, and what he promises to do for us. You know, he, he came and was God incarnate. He, he lived a perfect life. He died for our sins, resurrected, and, and, uh, and promises us eternal life with him. And friends, this is a really, really strong anchor for us. It's an anchor so strong that when Stephen was looking at his accusers with stones in his hands, he did not waver from his faith. It's an anchor strong enough for Paul to, to experience persecution and to feel completely uh, perished and, and feeling like he might be put to death, but still being able to say, it's not so that I rely on myself, but that I may rely on God, and that he still gives me comfort in the midst of that. This anchor is so strong that this man, Matthew, could look at the, the 20 Christians in front of him and, and know that, that because of faith in God that he, that he may have hope and even comfort in that time of incredible uh, pain, knowing that once he would be killed, he would be in the arms of his Savior. It's a really strong anchor for us. And so in the face of death and of, of these people who have been persecuted and martyred for the faith, to take the gospel, they were able to receive this, this sense of comfort from God. So, so true is it for us in our lives today that when we face, again, as we, we saw in verses 3 and 4, any affliction, any trouble, that same God of all comfort and compassion will be there for us to comfort us in all of our situations. And we find ourselves, again, in this pandemic still, and it's, it's carrying over, and it's something that has really disrupted a lot of uh, our lives, and and I know that as, as we go into 2021, I, I think about well, what do I want to have my hope in this year? You know, it's easy to put our hope in hopefully something that will help us get past this pandemic or just getting back to, to normalcy. But uh, we need to remember that, that hope, true hope, will only really come through Christ. And that's something that we need to root ourselves in. And I know that if 2021 or 2020 has taught us anything, it's that life is so fragile. You know, one moment we could be just hanging out, the next will be locked down. The one moment we have something, the next will be taken away from us. It's just, life is so uncertain. So how much more important is it for us to, to understand what our anchor is and what we're putting our hope in? Uh, there's, a, there's a band I really like, and they, they have an album called uh, No Hope. And when I say no hope, you might think, oh, like, oh there's, there's no hope. But what I, what I mean is K-N-O-W, hope. Right, a little play on words. Uh, and I think for me, this is a challenge. Because I, whenever the, the world maybe says, oh, oh, there's no hope, or I may feel like I have no hope, there's this challenge for me to 
know hope, to K-N-O-W, hope. And I think this is a challenge uh, for us, uh, for us uh, as we cast kind of this vision for 2021. I mean, hopefully this year is full of, of, of joys and, and great things, just as last year was as well. But um, there may still be affliction ahead of us, you know, as, as life is. And so as we enter this year, I would like to challenge us to, to know the hope that we find in Christ. You know, in just a little bit, we're going to partake in communion today. And I can't think of a better way to start a new year than, than to remember what Christ did for us. So as we begin this new year and, and take communion this morning, I would really uh, uh, encourage you to, to dwell on, on what communion represents and, and who Christ was and what he did for us and what he promises. And, and as we do that this morning, to, to just really focus on the hope, the deep sense of hope that we have in Christ, and that he promises to, to deliver us and give us life abundant and life eternal. I would like to finish this morning with a quote from the, the Archbishop uh, Angelos of the Coptic Church. He, uh, last year he had this quote. He, uh, he was reflecting on uh, the, the event that happened five years ago with the 21 Christians. And as he was reflecting on that, he said this. He said, the interesting thing is, we live in it, persecution, with a sense of resilience. But we have never fallen into a state of victimhood or triumphalism. We realize that it is the cross of Christ. It is not the end of the road because there is a resurrection that comes after the cross and the empty tomb. And so it is in that hope we continue to live. And it's in that hope that we continue to carry that cross, knowing that it will be removed from us. So let us start 2021 with this vision of hope. And as we enter knowing that there may be afflictions ahead of us, let us to choose to know the true hope that we find in Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, oh, we thank you so much that you are God of all comfort and all compassion. And that you are a God of all comfort and all compassion in any afflictions and troubles that we may face Lord, help us, to, as we enter this new year, to just anchor ourselves in you, Lord. We thank you so much for the grace and love that you give us every day. Lord, help us to know the hope that is so deep and so profound that we find in you. Lord, we, just, we love you so much, and we thank you for all that you do in our lives. In your name, amen.